everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Gals of Geekdom podcast. I am one of your hosts, Krista Williams, and I'm here with my equally talented and amazing and funny and smart co-hosts, Jazzy and Lizzie. Sup? I am definitely in my home. Yes. I'm smart. <laughs> uh, yes, Jazzy, you are smart. And talented. I feel like being kind today. I I can't be mean for too long. <laughs> it's not in your bones. No. I I joke and then I go like, oh I kinda feel bad. <laughs> um so anyway, my definitely for legal purposes, definitely not my boyfriend. James is uh here again. Okay. He is a he is a boy who is a friend. <laughs> He's a boy who is a friend. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we're going with the uh, we're going with the excuse Pokemon 2000 used for not shipping Ash and Misty. Okay. Yes. I'm a nerd. I know. Speaking of anime. <laughs> Speaking of anime. Speaking of anime. Speaking of anime. Speaking stuff. of this 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 clunky transition I just pulled out of my ass. Anyway, yes. Yeah, Speaking so- of anime. So I try watching movies every week, so I have something to talk about on this podcast, like just briefly. Not on the same detail as Fast and Furious, obviously, because we're not doing that again for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Not until the next one. Right. Which we're starting in December, right? Uh, I think so. Okay. <laughs> that's, so, that's the tentative plans. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I ended up watching the movie Promare, and it is some of the gayest shit I ever watched, and I am convinced it's intentional because it's Studio Trigger, and Studio Trigger makes a lot of gay shit, so. I have not heard of this Okay, so, okay, it's awesome. Let me describe this movie, and if it doesn't sound awesome and you don't want to go fucking see it, I don't know what to tell you. So, okay, so basically, it takes place in the future where, like, a thing happens that mutates a certain percentage of the population where they can control fucking fire, which sounds metal as shit, but you yeah. see, but you see, humans suck, so discrimination happens. Facts. And, like, the people who have the firepower, which are called the Burnish, I believe that's what they called them, they're basically, it, become, it becomes very clear earlier on in the movie that they're very much allegorical for, my, for minorities. Like, whether they be, uh, like, whether it be um, for race, sexual orientation, gender identity, whatever. It's allegorical to a minor- to minorities of some sort. <laughs> so, basically, it be- it's like this over-the-top action movie, but it also okay. has this oddly poignant backbone of the idea of groups society discriminates against and how when something bad happens and the person who did it is part of said group we don't see like typically they like typically the person won't be seen it'll be oh that group did a bad even if the even if like it was just one person and no one and no one else had anything to fucking do with it ah blaming the entire minority group for that yeah Mm-hmm. So, well, it's kind of like the mutants in X Men. 
Right. Yes. It's very much like the mutants in X-Men. Uh, so basically it starts off as the movie's first act is basically just kind of setting up this conflict between the burnish and non-burnish before making it clear what the, what it's supposed to be representing. And then it just becomes fuck the government, fuck the police. We're going to, we're going to fight them because they're exploiting this oppressed, this oppressed group. And also this is very gay. So <laughs> also it's it's available on HBO Max if that's something you subscribe to. So it's it's available for free if you have yeah. that. Can I have your yeah. HBO Max password? Okay. I can remember. Uh, Thank you. My, my look, password look. No, James. <laughs> um and yes, Chris, the main the, I mean, the show actually look, if yes, you're wondering I won't how, give my password out on the show. If you're wondering it's, how gay, uh, it, how if you're wondering how gay it gets, the two main characters are are a himbo who's all about, oh, I'm gonna be the fucking best, like anyone is in in, in anime. Mm-hmm. But right. he is definitely a himbo, and the other is a petite, fe- um, feminine-looking guy with the voice of Johnny Young Bosch. So yes, we're talking that level of gay here. I see the pictures. I see what you're talking about. All right, interesting. You like, need to watch more gay shit. <laughs> and like the, 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 John, the, John, the Johnny Young Bosch character, Leo, I swear his outfit, you can't look at that thing and tell me that boy is straight, I swear to God. Well, all right. I mean, I'm re-watching Supernatural. This is what true. What do you want? That is, the, that, is, that is an exceptionally gay show that is entirely straight. <laughs> straight, but for the gays is what Supernatural is. <laughs> I commented to him earlier, like, it's very funny to me about how Supernatural as a TV show, like, by Eric Kripke, like, made it to be this very, like, masculine red-blooded american show they've got their cool american-made car and they're smoking and they're drinking and driving across men being men across america and its entire fan base has just consistently been like teenage girls <laughs> for as long as it's been a success it was a success well no show. it's like here's the thing if you're making a show and the main protagonists are the same gender people are going it's either going to no, be unintentionally gay not, we're not talking about Wincest. We're not bringing that no. up. Oh, I didn't know they were they were brothers. Okay, They're I don't. Brothers. I wasn't. A, I don't know what super. I don't watch Supernatural. I just. <laughs> there are two characters that are shipped that are that is very very gay, and that is Dean and Cass. Okay. Because I was going to say, I thought there was a gay ship that was. There is. Yeah, Dean and Castiel. Dean and Castiel. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, like in regards I to in, fervently shit so hard in high <laughs> I was such a hoe about it. I was so annoying. I had a See, whole time. I knew about Destiel. I didn't know about Winces until you told me. I know I ruined your life when I told you about that. I wish you hadn't. <laughs> so but yeah, like I said, in regards to Promare, I'm convinced the gay shit was intentional because this is the same studio and director that did Kill a Kill, which was also pretty fucking gay as well, so Oh, yeah. Kill, kill a kill. kill was very, very... That was, I don't think they were trying to hide it at all. There's no subtlety, there's no subtlety in Kill a Kill, and that's why it's my favorite anime. Zero. I will admit, there, actually, there was a little bit of subtlety, but not where you think. It was subtlety in who, like, the actual villains were. Oh, absolutely. Ended up being the actual villains. <laughs> Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> 
like I think I think there's kind of a poignant backbone to Kill a Kill about um how capitalism and corp and corporations are shit. I could mm-hmm. like I like you, you, I'm sure we're gonna have people accusing me of injecting politics into anime, but no, it's like if you actually what? know. What- if you actually know what fucking themes are and what, uh... <laughs> oh, I swear to God, white American weebs who want to talk about how anime is apolitical. I'm sorry. And yet, and yet their favorite anime is always Full Metal fucking Alchemist. <laughs> right? It's because they have no concept of the fact that Japan is a real country with real people. <laughs> Hello. No, what they, what they mean when they, when they say, what they mean when they say political is that it's you know, POC or queer driven. That's exactly what they mean. They just don't want to say the quiet part out loud. Well, it's well, it's like they always uh, they always go on about how like a dubbing studio or what or what have you is the one injecting politics into into these shows when most when most of the time, if not all the time, the shows had a political backbone to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like like saying saying an an saying an anime is saying anime never had a political back backbone when shit like Full Metal Alchemist, Code Geass, because oh Code Geass is very fucking political by the way. Oh yeah. Uh, Death Note, which yeah. Fucking Death Note. Hey, yeah. I shit post I shit post Death Note, so I know my Death Note. <laughs> Did you like the live action remake, Jazzy? The Netflix one? Mm-hmm. No. It was hilarious. <laughs> but it was hilarious, but I didn't like it as an adaptation, so. Oh, speaking of live action adaptations to anime, side topic on Netflix, uh, the live adaptation of Cowboy Bebop's out. I haven't watched it yet. I saw some. I, I'm going to say I'm skeptical. I saw some clips of it, and I'm very skeptical because I think. Here's what's here's what it's looking to me in terms of Cowboy Bebop in terms of live action. It yeah. it reads to me from the clips I've seen that the people making this do not understand that what may work in animation does not work it always work in live action. Like yeah, I, I saw like I saw a scene with one particular character. I won't spoil who. Even if, I don't even know if it would be a spoiler, but I'm not gonna risk it. Yeah, where, please don't spoil because I'm still going through the original show. Right. There's a character who's kind of over the top, fast talking, and everything, and they try to adapt that directly from the anime to the live action stuff. And it's like, you can't fucking do this character this way in live action because it comes off as way too fucking cartoony. Like, yeah. And. There's also the bit where they try to recreate that famous shot of um, Spike and the villain. I forget, I'm blanking on names. Uh, 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 Vicious. Yeah, Vicious are pointing their weapons at each other. Like, uh, Vicious has a sword on him, and he has the gun, and they have the uh, stained glass window in the background. Yeah. I saw a scene where they recreated that, and it looked... They, try, they basically did that shot for shot, and it looks so artificial the way they do it, because it doesn't look like two people in a fight. It looks like two people getting in a pose like i don't i don't believe that this is these are two people in a fight i all i see are the two actors getting in this iconic pose that is a thing in the anime and again it's a pose that only that works better in animation than it does in live action so at the end of the day i'm just being i'm just thinking to myself i know i haven't finished the anime but why wouldn't i just do that like what is this what is this new one 
offering that the original probably did so much better. It's it's not getting great reception, but I but I, I like John Cho enough that I want to go through it because I like. I love John actor. Cho. Yeah, I, I like John. I've, I, I've only seen one episode of Cowboy Bebop, and it's the one that this man showed me. Um, <laughs> but I love John Cho, which is the main reason why I'm like I, I want to watch this. I love yeah, John Cho as the, well, but I I'm not going to watch this because because one I'm trying not to watch much Netflix content right now because fuck them. That's fair. Two, uh, two, I. It just reads to me like people who are like, oh, we can turn this into live action, and if we just do the same thing that the animated one did, it'll just be better on the grounds of it being live action. That's what it reads as to me, and that is totally my own interpretation. Like, like the the people behind it probably didn't think that way, but the way it's reading to me is that's what it is, and at the end of the day, I'd much rather watch the animated version because not only does it work better in the art form, but it's more, but it's more timeless as a result. Oh, hundred percent. And that's, it's one of my favorites actually. On the topic of adaptation. Oh. Uh, I saw the the stage version of Hairspray last night for the first time. Oh, how'd you like it? Okay. Um, I, I, I liked it. It was very good. Um, it was interesting. I've seen the original John Waters movie, and I've seen the 2007 remake, which I always thought was very good. I always really liked the 2007 remake. I, I've only seen the 2007 one, and I really like that one as well, so. Yeah. Um, so, a big change, I know, I don't know, I just want to comment on this. There's a big change that I noticed, um, between, that they made from, because the state, because it went, the John Waters movie, the stage show, and then the 2007 movie, right? A big change I noticed in the 2007 movie from the stage show that I actually very, very, very much like, um, is that and so, I don't know if you guys see, you guys have both seen of a version of Hairspray, right? I've seen the 2007 yeah. version and then the okay. TV live thing. Okay, so you know how in the 2007 movie, at the end of the movie, I, Little Inez wins the dance competition, and that's why the show gets integrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in the stage show, um, Tracy wins, and it's like her wish is Miss Teen Hairspray to integrate the show. And I think the change of having it, no, the show has to be integrated now because the dancers are too good for you to keep them off of it, is a much better ending. It makes it a lot less white savory, and I think that that is very much to the show's um, benefit. Wait, did, yeah, didn't in the move in the 2007 movie? It's been a while, but like, didn't the little girl? Wasn't she the one who won the contest? Yes, exactly. That's what I said. Okay, yeah, that's that's what I like. So. Yeah, and I always thought that I thought that worked really, really well. Um, having seen again, because the watching the stage show, um, big things I find interesting as adap- as an adaptation of the stage show, which is really what the 2007 is 2007 movie is more so than a remake of the John Waters movie. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, in retrospect, now that I have gotten to watch the stage show, uh, is a very, very, very good um, stage-to-screen adaptation, which is a rare thing to exist. It's funny because this director later made Rock of Ages, which was a really fucking bad stage-to-screen adaptation. Yeah. So, the, so, I, the, so I don't know what the fuck happened there. Yeah. So the, we're going uh, to avoid the Phantom of the Opera conversation, and I'm saying that, and that is the only time we're saying that name. We're not doing it. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, it's a good thing my guest is late. It's a good thing my guest is late then, because she would have been all into that. that (laughs) Opinions on this that aren't Phantom of the Opera. Lame is. 
Oh, I thought the movie was late. Is the movie was fucking shit. So <laughs> I, I like the movie. I've only I thought, seen the movie, so I, I don't have anything to compare it against. The, the <laughs> like, I find Tom Hooper so fucking incompetent when it comes to musicals. Like, he does not know. What how do to you make- mean? You mean that Cats isn't a fucking masterpiece? <laughs> no, it isn't. Sh- it's a comedy masterpiece, <laughs> but like about the old Cats or the new one? The new, the talking new about one. the 2019 film adaptation. No, we're talking about cats. actual cats. We're talking about actual cats. But like, my problem yeah. with Les Mis is it's trying to do a musical while having this weird feel of like a gritty, like movie, and it's weird because it c- completely clashes with the fact that these guys are breaking out into song, and there's no doesn't attempt to stylize it in any way and it just it's boring i don't think the singing's very good except with there are th- there are th- there are once it reaches the main the third like time period that it takes place in the one where most of the characters show up and are the right ages that's when the better singers start showing up because like uh <laughs> um Amanda Seyfried, uh Eddie Redmayne, uh Samantha Bark, all fucking fantastic singers. But God, I before... on Anne Hathaway like that. Okay, Anne Hathaway was good. I'll give you that one. But like Hugh Jackman, uh, he he's good. No, he good. he's not because he doesn't know how to control his fucking volume in this movie. Hugh he Jackman belts... is a professional musical act. Like he he came from the stage. Uh, he he is, but he's not good in this movie. I'm sorry. I don't he's... necessarily agree. <laughs> Look, you have him singing this this song that's supposed to be quiet at one point in the movie, and he's fucking belting it for everyone to hear. It doesn't work. And I don't blame him. I blame the fucking direction, because, again, Tom Hooper doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And then you have Russell Crowe, who you cannot tell me anything in that performance was good. I'm sorry. Just to make sure I'm understanding, Russell Crowe played uh, uh, Javert. Javert. Oh, I liked it. I liked his song "Stars." I'm just not I the only one I liked him because the <laughs> biggest problem. Yeah, the biggest problem is he doesn't. He's not a musical theater singer. His singing style is completely different than what's required. And again, I don't blame him for this. I re- I will say right now, I have criticisms of these performances, but I do not blame any of the actors. The problem was the direction and how they needed to do this, which was the live singing, which was fucking bad. <laughs> The live singing was a bad decision. It was badly executed. So, so I'm not a, I'm not a film, uh, I guess film nerd. I don't know what the word to use here. What do you mean the live singing? Okay, so most movie musicals, they sing the songs in recording booths and then lip sync to them later in the movie, like when they're when they're actually filming the movie, yeah. like. This works fine because when you're doing these actions in the movie, a lot of them make it hard to sing. Like, um, say you're doing a scene where a character's sitting down and this song requires them to just go all out. It's not going to work with live singing. That's why they have to record it first and then ADR it. So, yeah. So, but I kind of thought that's what what they did. Hmm. No, in Les Mis, they did it live. They had a piano player who played music that would go into i believe earpieces that the actors had so that they could hit the tone but it's so shaky and it doesn't work and the only actors who do well in in this regard as a result of this really unconventional and not good way to do a musical movie 
are the actors who have stage experience because they've done this shit before. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, except I you, you every actor who has stage experience who isn't Hugh Jackman, because unfortunately he couldn't he couldn't fucking do it. And again, I want to emphasize, I don't blame him. Yeah. I wonder if like he like I wonder if like during like the first or couple takes of it, I wonder if he did sing it like the way it should have been. And then the director whatever said, hey, give it some more. Okay, considering, like, yeah. keep in mind, they had to keep, do multiple takes on the songs. That's another thing. Um, a movie requires multiple takes, obviously. So they're oh, doing yeah. multiple takes on these big songs that require you to just go all out. And they're just losing, and they're just throwing out their voices with every time. So even if it's a take later on that the director liked, chances are the vocals were weak. And that's what it sounds like half the time. That makes sense. Not to mention the fact that Hugh Jackman, for the earlier scenes in the movie, intentionally dehydrated himself, which for singing, bad move. Bad fucking move. In fact, um, I've seen, like, live performances from these actors singing the songs, like, um, outside of the movie. And those performances are of those songs are actually good. Even Russell Crowe, which, whose performance I just shit on with the, when it comes to this movie. <laughs> Russell Crowe was definitely the standout weakest aspect of that film. But that's been talked to, you know, to death. Right. It is. <laughs> but, and again, I feel like so much shit is laid to him and not why, like, the, 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 the why this turned out the way it did. Because, again, none of this is any of the actor's fault. And I always hate this narrative that, oh, Russell Crowe did a bad job. It's Russell Crowe's fault. No, it wasn't. <laughs> if your actor can sing, it is uh, the responsibility of the director to put them in a position where they're able to sing well. Right. And again, this should have been, they should have just did this musical like any other movie musical where you record the singing in a booth or in or in any in an actual recording studio because then you're standing up you can let your voice just go out what you need to do and it's any and like when you're filming multiple takes of a scene when you're doing the actual filming you don't have to worry about the actor throwing their poor fucking voice out so i'm assuming you're just the biggest fan Oh me, <laughs> Jazzy. Oh yeah. No, that's, I, I can see that. Because <laughs> you know what else that reminds me of is there's a tendency for people who are not don't and I'm not like an expert about music in any capacity either. But there's a tendency for people who don't know anything about how music and singing works to think that because you hear a bad vocal performance from somebody at some point, that means they can't actually sing. That's true. That's um, a very... Which is obnoxious. There are a lot of factors to why someone might not give a good uh, singing performance in a given situation. Like, I remember back in June, Olivia Rodrigo uh, performed Good For You live for the first time. It was, like, on Jimmy Fallon or one of those other late-night shows. And her performance was not very good because this was the first time she was performing on live television. It was the biggest audience she'd ever performed in front of before. Um, was it SNL? No, I don't think... It might have been but it didn't look like snl okay but like like it was a it was the first time she was performing live and it was the first time she was so actually if it was live it might have been because i remember that being the point that she was live but like that was the thing is she had just she'd never 
so her performance was not great, and it was also the first time she'd ever, ever, ever sung this song outside of the studio. So it, her performance wasn't amazing. And I remember people being such bitches like, oh, she can't actually sing. She's all, all auto-tuned. She's all this, she's all that. I'm like, she can actually, it's actually very obvious that this is her voice that she can sing. She's like, there are so many reasons why her performance was not very good this night. And it was so weird to me that people were having all these revelation, bitch can't sing hot takes about it. It's like, that's not what that means. I think it was SNL. Okay, maybe. I'm Googling it. I don't, I, don't, I don't know which one specifically they pointed out to, but I just Googled. Just to, I wanted to just verify. Um, but you know what's um, a good you know what's a mu- movie musical that I always fucking love no matter what what's 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 a good mu- movie musical Sweeney Todd oh yeah well, I I've do gone love Sweeney that, Todd we, we've gone over that portrayal already that it's James a good and, and Treble did to me but yes yeah, yeah. alright I fucking love it and it's like it's funny because a lot of those actors don't didn't have much in terms of singing experience, Johnny Depp in particular, but fuck it. They they did they did quite well, honestly. So I'm I'm honestly a fan of the Tim Burton related musicals. I know that's not a musical you created, but still. It's connected. Yeah. You're, so you are a fan of them or not? Wait, oh, I said I I am. I'm a fan okay. of Tim. I actually do like Tim, a lot of Tim Burton's work. I know yeah, he yeah. has a, tri- a rocky record, but like when he's really good, he's really good. So oh, absolutely. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, like Sweeney Todd was clearly a passion project on his part because he clearly loved the source material so much. So yeah, and uh, very his style is all over that movie still. It works. Oh, absolutely. For that, for that movie though. Although I will say something being a passion project for Tim Burton does not necessarily mean that it's going to be good. I always like Dark Shadows was a movie he was trying to oh, get made oh, yeah. for a really long time, and that one wasn't. Okay, it was, fair, but I'm. It was But great. I don't know. I'm always interested in seeing a direct. What if any kind of passion project from a big director, whether it turns out well or not? I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. I find it more interesting than a movie a big time director is making just for studio mandate. Like, um, <laughs> so I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but like Spike Lee is a good filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it was very clear when he was making the remake of Old Boy that he just did not give a shit. <laughs> and that's not. Spike Lee did the remake of Old Boy. Why did I forget that was Spike Lee? Because first of all, he didn't put his normal motif of a Spike Lee joint on the on the uh, on anything on it. It was just called a Spike Lee film. So yeah, I was that's gonna say, Spike Lee is really like one of those directors that it's like I always know this was made by Spike Lee. <laughs> and it's like it's weird because it's it's a movie that he just and I don't entirely blame him for how that movie turned out necessarily. Though I blame him for a lot of other stuff in that movie, particularly one really bad instant with the guy who designed the fucking posters, which Lee should feel fucking embarrassed for what, for the, how he handled that situation. There are a fair number of problems I have with Spike Lee. Oh, same. I do too. Professionally, but like, so, so did you hear about the old boy poster situation? I might no. have. Cause it okay. sounds familiar. 
Okay, so basically um, there was this guy, I believe his name was Juan Luis Garcia, and he was commissioned by Spike Lee Studio, um, 40 Acres and a Mule Filmworks, to do posters for old for the Old Boy remake. Um, and he made them, uh, they liked the posters, and they offered him a really pitiful sum of money for the work he put in, and he refused to sell it to... To, t- to take the offer and let him use the posters. And uh, basically the production company harass, harass, harassed the shit out of this guy. Um, and he, they also brought in the exposure argument, which is everyone's favorite fucking argument as an artist. He's for the exposure. Right. Um, and that they, call, they called him a horrible, they basically called him a horrible person and everything. And then, then they basically saved the files for the posters and basically posted them on the film's official social media with little copyright uh, marks on them, even though they did not have the right to use those posters. Uh, And Ah. so the guy was fucking pissed. Uh, Garcia was fucking pissed. And so he sent, he he issued a public letter to Spike Lee and Spike Lee is like, Oh, I never heard of this guy. Don't blame, don't blame me. It's, it's mean of you to fucking, message me about it despite the fact that it's my production company harassing you Um, i'm gonna be right right back okay okay wow that's 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 some shit (laughs) that is some it is some shit like it's it's so bad and i do think like I don't know if there was ever an apology issued or whatever, but do should feel fucking embarrassed for how he handled that situation and his and for how his company did all this shit. I am surprised I didn't hear more about this, but it's something that's I only heard of it because of why of YMS's review of the remake. He dedicated a bit of a section on the poster oh, drama. That's so. that's why. Okay, yeah, I don't really yeah, watch his content, um, but I yeah. do. I am familiar with him. YMS goes so deep into a lot of research into all, into the movies he's reviewing, which is why I find his work fascinating, despite the fact that I'm not the biggest fan of his shorter his shorter reviews, if I'm being honest. I'm more into his more longer in-depth reviews. Like I find it funny that he originally, when he was doing he was working on his um review of the remake for Lion King, and he wanted to do a brief segment talking about the Kimba the White Lion controversy. Mm-hmm. And he found so much in it to talk about with how much people were getting wrong when discussing it that he decided to pause the fucking Lion King review and do a whole video dedicated to the Kimba controversy. Interesting. It's a very good video. I would highly recommend it. Okay. It's like I'm, so I'm, I'm sometimes a little hesitant with like cynical YouTube personalities because I'm like, are they? Are they like you know, you know, like racist? No, no. <laughs> Do they hate trans no, I wouldn't. People? Like, like that's 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 my concern about certain people. That's why I'm a little bit, you know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say YMS is racist. And if he ever, anytime he's ever said something that people, to, um, that he unintentionally said that people did take offense to, I believe he's he's has apologized for it. So okay. Like, I just you, I I'm not I'm not like accusing him. I just don't I just uh, like I, 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 I get the, the I get the hesitance towards cynical YouTubers and I get it. But 
again, it's why I do like the longer reviews just because they're very analytical in what he's talking about. So, okay, that's um, cool. Like the old boy one is one of my favorites. I love the Kimba one quite a bit. Uh, if for no other reason than some of the shit you learn, because a lot of people don't know a lot about Kimba. Most of the time it was just, oh, it's just that thing Lion King ripped off, right? <laughs> right. Which I've, I've, I don't think many people have seen Kimba. Right? right, right. And there's obviously a problem in calling something a ripoff of something that you never watched. So I think it's just the continued um, want to. I'm not trying to defend a multi-billion dollar corporation, but it's it's definitely a very online thing of wanting to tear down Disney. And right, but, there's there's ways of criticizing Disney that right. can't be accurate without right. And there were and there were ways that Disney handled the controversy that were not okay. And to YMS's I, credit, he did address these. So I oh I'm certain. I'm just you know. Right. But pointed out that when it comes to the actual filmmakers behind Lion King, they had a bit more of a nuanced response to the controversy. Right. Like okay. when Rob when Rob Minkoff, the director, was asked if there was anyone who worked on the Lion King who had seen Kimba, he said it's possible, but he wasn't he didn't know for sure. So Yeah, I don't I don't I don't I mean I don't I don't have any room to doubt him, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think he's a liar liar in that regard i don't know from what i've seen of rob minkoff he seems like a nice guy doesn't do doesn't do a whole lot of movies though so yeah he did uh the lion king he did um the Stuart little films uh he did the forbidden kingdom which i actually despite some problems i actually really liked because it was just uh martial arts cheese so forbidden kingdom is uh with uh who again which which Uh, one was that one that the big selling point of that movie was that it had uh, Jackie Chan and Jet Li starring together. Oh, okay. Now, now I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, my my yeah. brain was like, what movie is that? Because my honestly, See, my knowledge of like martial arts related projects is very uh, minimal. So it's um. <laughs> so what was I gonna say? Yeah. It's funny because I remember I had seen that movie a lot as a kid, and I remember when the Mulan remake was first announcing its cast, mm-hmm. and they mentioned um, Louis Yafei, and like I was I was skeptical of that casting choice from the beginning, not just because she's fucking awful, but <laughs> okay, as y'all, a person, uh, as a person, but um, I was as soon as I heard she was voice she was playing Mulan in the remake, I was like. Even before all the police brutality shit came out, I was just kind of thinking to myself, really? I remember her in The Forbidden Kingdom, and she was easily the worst fucking part of that movie. Okay, guys, I officially have to hop off and do do the, do the thing I needed to do. But I love okay. you guys. Love <laughs> so you, Lizzie. I think so. Um, I can, can, that wasn't can, planned. Oh, that's yeah. fine. We like having you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... Um, you can go. I'll plug your stuff at the end. All right. Thanks, guys. I'm sorry. I love you. It's okay. Bye. Love you. Bye. By the way, Crystal, you know what movie I watched last week after uh, after recording oh. for Gals? Oh, I, I, I've been following your Twitter. I know. <laughs> I watched Evil Dead 2 um, and immediately oh, after 
If you need to know how good I thought it was, after it was over, I immediately bought it on 4K. So, <laughs> Yes, it is a movie definitely worth owning on 4K. And So it's not my... just good, it's Psycho Goreman good. Alright, I want to get into Evil Dead 2 because it was honestly like a pretty pivotal movie for me. Uh, um, I was introduced to Army of Darkness first, actually, of... of same. Of the original trilogy, I was introduced Same. to Army of Darkness, and Same. I watched it on TV on Sci-Fi Channel 2004, maybe? Not damn. Three? I watched it a long time ago in a TV-edited version, and I just loved the whole, like, mixture of humor, horror, and, like, slapstick comedy with a dude who had a chainsaw on his arm. <laughs> so I was introduced to the series through that. Cut to a few years later. Uh, I must have been in like fifth or sixth grade at this point. Um, I decided to go back and watch the series. I watched Evil Dead 1 and I liked it, but I wasn't as impressed as I was with the horror comedy aspects of Army of Darkness. Um, but then Evil Dead 2 came and basically shook up a lot of things uh, in, in terms of like, when I saw that, one, the budget wasn't very high in that film, or either any of those films, maybe except for Army Darkness, but um, how impressive it was visually and, like, like conceptually for, like, a, such a small-budget film. And it basically, like, kicked down the door to my imagination to wanting to pursue film as an actual thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, to me, <laughs> these films why I'm such a big fan is because they just hit me at a young age and I can go back to specifically to over and over and over again and never tire. I I think, I don't think this is a stretch to say in my opinion, I think it's probably the greatest horror comedy film ever produced. Um, Oh, I can agree to that. I think it's masterful in its execution. I think it's, and I, every time I watch it, I get something new from it. Like, it's not just stupid. It's 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 not stupid at all. I would I would argue, to be honest. I would say it is it is it knows exactly what it is doing, and it tries to execute on every single one of its themes, and I think it succeeds. Oh, absolutely. So I think the thing that really struck me about Evil Dead 2 is how it more or less just felt like a faster, a bit more comedic version of the first movie because it's more, it's not only a sequel, it's also a soft, it's also a soft reboot. It is a sequel, but it's also, it's simultaneously both, right? Yeah. <laughs> like this yeah, series yeah. is notorious <laughs> for doing that. Right. And I think the thing that made it interesting is that um, they kind of cut out a lot of the more like needless, like, side characters up until the end even and i will say even even with that i liked these characters quite a bit honestly but like you know every character is 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 entertaining <laughs> right but for the most part this movie is bruce campbell stealing the fucking show in every scene so yeah because if you go back to the first one it's very much not bruce's show i mean not until the end right right i mean where it's where he's the final boy <laughs> Pretty much, and he's he is exactly the fi- the final the final boy in that film. Like yeah. they even have like this other badass ca- or someone who tries to be badass character in that film. 
Mm-hmm. Ash is more of the cow- cowardly one, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's just interesting because this movie is more or less just kind of... We're watching kind of the deteriorate, deterioration of this poor man's mental state. <laughs> <laughs> and the audience expects you to laugh at that, too. And it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I mean, so I have a question as someone who's the first time having seen it. Do you, like... Were you familiar with, like, clips from it? Or, like, was it just, like, you just hadn't seen this movie at all? I I went in blind. I think I'd seen the laughing scene from some... The big laughing scene with the with all the objects in the house somewhere before. I just don't remember where. I just remember when I saw the scene in its context. I'm like, I swear I've seen this scene somewhere before. Because <laughs> that scene is very much a what-the-fuck moment. Oh, I love it. And I love the bit where he's just bouncing along with the fucking Pixar lamp over there. (laughs) Oh, that scene does remind you that this movie is a cartoon. Like, it absolutely is. It takes a moment to go like, you're not living in reality. This is something else. (laughs) Oh, um, and it's also like. What's fascinating is that film got like the equivalent of like an X rating. For the time, um, which is which is what they were attempting to not have, which is why if you see the movie, there's like multiple color blood, like some of it's black, some of it's like green, some of it's like red, like they were attempting to hopefully skirt by the censors with that. But what I find fascinating is that film like was given an X rating and it's it's violent for sure, but it's not anywhere near the goriest of its time right like right i'd, I'd argue, argue the I'd, I'd argue the first one was gorier so yes and i'd, I'd even argue that like films that earned an r rating like the thing is way gorier than this oh 100 oh 100 like I, I and i don't understand why i think maybe the fact that it was still kind of an independent production um mm-hmm. Maybe that has something to do with the politics related with the MPAA. But I do know that there was this weird conservative push in the 80s that a lot of slasher films and horror films felt the brunt of in terms of, like, like being terrified of getting the X rating. Right, because, like, most theater... The thing is, most theaters won't, won't, won't show an X-rated film, so... Right. And if they I did, mean, like, the, the advertising was nothing. Like Right. Like, Right. Nowadays, the equivalent to that is an NC-17, and you only re- you only really see that with art films at this point. So. Yeah, the the only one I've seen was Killer Joe in theaters, which... Uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with too many NC-17 rated films. I know I know Blue Blue is the Warmest Color got an NC-17. I remember that, that because that, that was a that was a big thing, like in the in the art. Yeah, film I never circle. saw that one. I um, I saw bits and pieces of it. I don't think it's very good, and the direct the shit the director put those actresses through was just unacceptable. So I don't think I'll ever watch it fully, just because I can't ignore that feeling of discomfort. Right. The, the fact yeah. that they were having them do these very intricate, detailed, and horribly done sex scenes. It's <laughs> special. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, spe- especially when you compare it to a film like The Handmaiden, where the director was fucking careful to make sure his two lead actresses were co- were comfortable doing these scenes. Right. Because Park Chan-wook is fucking awesome. That's important. You you need your your team 
to be with you on this, you know? Like, right, like, I remember when they did uh, the hand, I mentioned the handmaid. I remember what they did uh-huh. is for those scenes, um, the first rule they had is that all the uh, male cr- crew members, except the director, were given the day off. And the okay. only reason the director is still there because he's the fucking director, of course. Right, the director kind of has to be there. Mm-hmm. Two, the scenes were done on a closed set. Um, the cameras, they used drones for the cameras for these scenes, so... Basically, they tried to make it as not awkward and uncomfortable as they possibly could, so. That's good. Right. So, I have, a, I have a shit ton of respect for Park Chan-wook for, go, for going that extra mile for his actresses, so. Yeah, that's not always the case with a lot of films, though, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate. Yeah, I need to watch well, more. I need to watch more Park Chan-wook films. I've only seen uh, Old Boy and the, and uh, the Handmaiden, so. I've only seen Old Boy, so maybe I should see The Handmaiden. Oh yeah, the The Handmaiden's amazing. I what? I definitely recommend watching it though. I find it funny how many people I've directed towards that movie who didn't realize that the sex scenes are as explicit as they are. Oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there, I, I'll... there is there is some detailed fucking going on. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't think anything can surprise me. I've been on the internet. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not gonna shock me. I'm surprised. Killer Joe, the movie I saw, got an NC-17 rating. Um, that was with Matthew McConaughey. Um, mm-hmm. there's no actual like, like. Like, they don't show anything, like, at all. Like, there's one sex scene, and it's fully clothed. Um, and then there is this weird sort of phallic imagery with a piece of fried chicken that they use toward the end. Um, but it's it's not, like, actually explicit. So that was a weird watch, because it was just like, why did this get an NC-17? <laughs> It didn't um, cross lines. I mean, it was uncomfortable, but I've seen R-rated films that were, like, a thousand times more uncomfortable. <laughs> right. It seems like a lot of the films that get NC-17 ratings are primarily for sex. It's rarely for violence, so... Yeah. Like, and I am aware... Like, there is an NC-17 cut of RoboCop, if I'm not mistaken, so... And that was a purely... It got it on violence. Well, that movie is violent. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's violent as fuck. I love it. <laughs> oh, I do too. I just find it funny though that you have a lot of films that are so fucking gory and uncomfortable and yet they somehow don't get the NC-17 rating. I'm still bewildered how something like Passion of the Christ did not get an NC-17 for its violence. Yeah, that one is pretty extreme. Yeah, uh, and not it's, and, it's... And, and and I do not mean that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching it or at least scenes from it in my Catholic school that I went to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because, like, all R-rated films was, like, off-limits in my Catholic high school most of the time, except Passion of the Christ. You can watch that one. <laughs> you don't need to send out the permission slips for that one. That one is A-OK. And it's like... Because it's and about that one is, Jesus. And that one was, the, was far worse than any of the R-rated films we needed permission slips to watch. It was far worse. Like, yeah, that film was I remember, pretty... I remember we watched a movie, I can't remember its name, but the worst thing it had was a titty! 
It had a titty. That's all it had. Oh, no. Cover your eyes for the children. They can't Cover see that. Cover your eyes, children. You need to not know that women have nips. <laughs> Wait, we do? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't know. I've, nev- I've, I've never taken off my shirt ever, so... It's just so funny to me. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, you can watch Passion of the Christ all you want. And like, you had to sit there and watch it. You couldn't leave if you were uncomfortable. Like, you, like, like, and trust me. And keep in mind, I'm not uncomfortable with gore most of the time. I can usually watch it. That movie made me fucking uncomfortable. But I don't know if it was the gore itself or the fact that it was the insane gore mixed with the anti Semitism. Yeah, yeah, that was there too. But that's what happens when you put Mel Gibson in charge of a Jesus movie. They're making a sequel. How? It's an action comedy film of Chris Tucker. I understood that reference. <laughs> oh, no, no, I, no. It's, a, it's called The Passion of the Christ Resurrection. The best subtitle you could give this movie. <laughs> what are they going to do in the next one? Uh, let me look. Like, I, there's actually... No- there's not a Wikipedia page for it, so I gotta go on IMDb. Uh, a sequel to *The Passion of the Christ* focuses on the events that occurred three days in the th- or three days between the crucifixion and the resurrection, when Jesus Christ descended to Abraham's bosom <laughs> to preach and resurrect the Old Testament saints. This one's gonna have a titty. Uh, I'm not sure. Because they said bosom, there's gonna be titty. I'm gonna be disappointed if there's no titty. Um, I mean, could be, but you never know. <laughs> Remember, violence. A-okay. Boobs? No. No, it's like... Stop. It, the, the violence is fine if you put a halo on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> if you're nailing someone to a piece of wood, that's, fu- that's A-okay. <laughs> Apparently, you know, it's fine to do that. Right, it's, but it's but it's not fine for I don't know what what was a famous movie that got have you seen this film is not yet rated documentary on the MPA? Okay, not. I I recommend that because it's it's a fantastic look at the inner workings of the MPAA and like the investigating it, but also discussing like the the hypocrisy with how sex is treated in comparison to violence. Um. Mm-hmm. I felt it was really informative to how it all works and the politics of it. Now, it this movie came out maybe like 2006 or seven, and it's 2021, so I don't know if things have changed, but I still think it was a fascinating watch, at least to look in for films of that time, you know? Right. Um, like, this movie had like even like them dumpster diving behind where the NBA is to find notes that had people wrote down while watching those movies <laughs> that's i'll have to watch this at some point yeah but uh, it's, it's a great documentary but um i have to say i'm looking at the trivia for this upcoming passion sequel <laughs> jim caviezel claims that the film will be the biggest and greatest motion picture in history bold claim wow that is a bold can't claim do you think do you think he means money-wise or just? <laughs> I I don't know because I feel like 
the most the people who are going to see this are all fucking old, so that's true. Like, I don't see any like current generate current generation or younger generation kids. Like, no, not kids or anyone who's of age, like in their te- in their late teens or twenties or even thirties or maybe forties, that are going to willingly go see this movie. I mean, but Chazzy, you have a tendency to watch bad movies. Yeah, but I don't see movie. <laughs> I don't see. I t- I try not to see sequels to those bad movies because again, I've seen The Passion of the Christ. I'm not going to see the sequel. I don't care. I am. I don't care if it's like because even though it's not about the crucifixion, I'm sure they're gonna find some way to make it way too fucking violent. They uh, they'll probably have flashback sequences to the first one. Probably <laughs> and. Just watch, like, Cav- Jim Caviezel's gonna look distractingly younger in those flashbacks. Because <laughs> he's reprising Did his you... role. He's reprising his role as Jesus in this movie. Wasn't he, like, just recently, like, at, like, didn't he go off on, like, a conservative rant recently? I'm not joking, I wouldn't, like. I wouldn't doubt it, considering that Caviezel is conservative, so. I just hadn't heard from him in years, and then suddenly there was, like, a news story about him. Oh, well, he, it's was, like, he, was at, he was at a QAnon conference. Oh, of of course. So, yeah. Like, he said, send their send enemies back to hell where they belong. Yeah, no, the guy's a nut. There's a there's 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 a good reason why you don't he you don't see much of him in movies anymore. And the only thing he's really known for is these religious films at these at this point. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't even fucking hate religious films. There's a, there's films with religious slants that I actually enjoy, Prince of Egypt being one, but... I was thinking the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a good movie. It is. I, I, really love, I really love the movie. And, like, keep in mind, I'm, some, I'm, I'm someone who holds Judeo-Christian beliefs, so it is obviously part of a belief that I am associated with. But I feel like mm-hmm. I still enjoy this movie regardless of my religious affiliation, because I know fucking atheists who adore this movie, so. Well, it's a well-made animated film. Right. Like, first and foremost, so. Mm. And like, it's kind of just telling the story, so it doesn't necessarily feel so, like, I don't, I don't know. Right, and I think it I think it did a good job at focusing on the humanity of these characters, like. Right, it was a very human story. There's this struggle between like these two brothers who don't want to fight each other but are one is bound by what he thinks is right and the other is bound by his the need to fulfill this great legacy yeah um oh man i haven't seen that movie in years um i would recommend watching it it's really fucking yeah good. i should probably go back i watched it a lot when i was a kid <laughs> But again, I went to Catholic school, so it kind of makes sense that that movie was around. I don't know. It's just a shame that, like, as a result of a lot of these religious films being having this conservative slant, they tend to be really bad most of the time. Uh, there's a lot of bad conservative movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I watched, I, I watched plenty of them in Catholic school. Like, um, I watched... Uh, one of them was a documentary called Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed, which is a giant fucking piece of shit, by the way. It's, that sounds horrible. 
Okay, so basically it's a documentary, quote unquote, uh, made by Ben Stein, where it's the entire point is he's questioning why the theory of intelligent design, which is pseudoscience, and I say this as a believer, so you, if so, I'm not so I clearly don't have a secular bias here. Oh, I've I've seen this. Right. No. 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 I, it's just funny how I'm I'm part I am in some way part of the belief, the religious belief that a lot of these films are like pushing. And even I think they're full of shit. Like I've seen, I've seen the first two God's Not Dead movies. They're fucking horrible. I, 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 I'm so glad that I did not do that. (laughs) They sound horrible. (laughs) No, like the, the biggest claim, like they, they tend to get these, uh, they tend to get celebrities who, aren't in too much or who are just, or who are kind of shooting their careers in the foot because they say stupid shit. Like, uh, Kevin Sorbo was in the first film. So that should tell you what you need to know. Yeah. He mm. is a, he is a handful, isn't he? Yeah. And like, so, so the first God's not dead is about this fucking Christian college student who is in this philosophy class taught by evil atheist played by Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow i i yeah i've seen like reviews of this of this shit <laughs> yeah uh, so, it's, um, it's 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 a straw man argument the movie right <laughs> right they also treat muslims like shit and like act like their beliefs are entirely wholly separate like from christianity when there's actually a lot of similarities between the two beliefs, and they and Islam even acknowledges uh, Jesus Jesus as a prophet. So credit to where credit where credit is due to my high school that was Catholic. A lot of the teachers though were secular, and there was a religion course where they actually taught about all types oh. of religions. Oh, and, you got it better than me then. Yeah, Holy it shit! Wasn't, it, it wasn't an indoctrination place. It very much was um, pretty progressive, like. Even, like, having positive LGBT stuff, too. Um, and this was, granted, this was, this I, I was in school from 2006 to 2010. So, that's pretty good, I would say. <laughs> uh, but that's better than, I'm sure, a lot of people had it. Mm-hmm. No, no, mine were, like, like, all the teachers had very, like, had a lot of... Uh, they they had basically variations of Catholicism, and while there were there was a class I remember having that taught about other religions, it was done in the most biased of ways possible. So, oh, see, like, yeah, this one was not that. It was just more like, nope, here's yeah. the facts. Like, I think what made what really fucking upset me about that class was we did a project where we were interviewing, where we basically studied a different religion and we interviewed um someone we knew of it and. Um, my friend and I, who, my friend wasn't part of the problem with this thing. He wasn't the one who participated in the negative parts of this project was, um, we did Judaism and our, the person we interviewed was, um, a close friend of mine, someone who I considered and still consider to be like a sister to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was fascinating. I found Judaism as a, I still find Judaism as a religion fascinating. I find most religions fascinating, so... I just like the topic is the thing. 
Yeah, it's a fascinating topic to understand why people believe the things that they do. And they just yeah. kept making, and like, they just kept making, like, like, thankfully this person wasn't there for what the presentation. The interview took place on a separate day, and we just relayed her answers into the presentation. She just got made fun of, and I was fucking pissed, so. That's our horrible. Right, it's, it, it, it says a lot to me. If you are so willing to point out how ridiculous and stupid someone else's religious beliefs are, but acting like yours is just a okay. And you know what? That this sort of mindset can also lead into like atheists. They do something kind of similar. And I'm not saying all atheists. What I'm saying is, no. There's one one person in particular <laughs> that everyone can't stand. It's Bill Maher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. His his movie. Um, I did not see. Was it religious? Is that what it is? Religious? I think so. It was like a documentary he made where he just went around, looked smug toward the camera, and found all these people who had different beliefs, and just was like, "Look how stupid their beliefs are." <laughs> That's the entirety of the movie. Jesus. Uh, people seem to like it, but man. It seems so shitty. Right, like... I I don't know. I, I can't stand Bill Mayer as just a general person, so... No, I... I yeah. <laughs> if you want to watch a smug asshole going around being assholes to people for a movie that's a, supposedly a comedy, but it's a documentary, too, you could see that, I suppose. It's free on Peacock. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, I don't even mind, like, people with more secular beliefs calling bullshit on people who do something and justify it with their religion, especially if that thing is horrible. Like, if you watch, um, I, I watch a lot of reruns of Penn and Teller's bullshit, and they, and their entire, um, episode on religion, and, per, and in particular, Mother Teresa was, uh, Teresa was very fascinating, so. No, there's, there's, there's a, there's a way to handle these things, right? Like, Mm-hmm. There's just a difference between being shitty and but also or also just being accurate or being critical, you know. I, I don't know. My goal is to to not treat. I don't know. Judge people. Right. <laughs> if I, because if again, I have issues, like I'm gonna bring it to the certain uh, the belief itself as opposed to the people. Right. Right. Like. <laughs> If people believe, I, I personally believe that a pers- if a person believes something and it makes them happy, fuck it. And they're not hurting anyone, fuck it. <laughs> right. The only thing, I fucking can't stand Scientology, but I'm not going okay. to, it, but it's, but it's people, the people in it are victims, you know? Right. It's Scientology and Jehovah's Witnesses are the two I can't fucking stand, so. Right. But, but it's less well, because, of, it's sci- less because of what if they believe and more with how they harm the individuals within their con- respective congregations. So right, exactly. The covering up, they're all they're, all these cults act very similar. That's always covering up of sexual abuse. It's always. No. Fi- huh? I I'd, I'd highly recommend um if you have like an hour to kill, I'd highly recommend uh watching uh Chris Stuckman's uh video on how he left his uh, he chris stuckman is a movie reviewer if you don't know he did a video a year or so back about um how he left oh, um oh i did see that 
You did. Uh, yeah. It's it's fascinating. I I love that video. It's very emo. Like I feel bad for what he went through, but I found what he was discussing fascinating. So. I think what he said was really important to cover. You know, like right. it was great to hear it from uh, like a firsthand experience, especially someone who has like a following on YouTube like that. Yeah. It made it real. You know, um, I've actually met him in person once. <laughs> Oh, you're so lucky. I I met him when I went to Star Wars Celebration 2015. Yeah. So I went there and I saw him waiting in line for something. And I was just like, oh, hey, you're you're Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so and I don't usually go up to people, but I don't know. I just like made the took the opportunity. <laughs> um. I kind of wanted to. I were having a great conversation, but I also kind of want to circle back on Evil Dead too because, uh, <laughs> is there like okay, um, uh, so I, I know this is gonna end up being like a, a shorter episode, but I wanted to get some final thoughts on Evil Dead too because I have been wanting to have an episode where we talk about it for, for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. This um, this is what happens. We can't keep focused on one cha- tangent for more than a few minutes. So. I know this is kind of us, but but um, I do think people will get. Hopefully, we'll get something out of what we're talking about. Um, yeah. But, so if you want my thoughts on Evil Dead Two as a whole, I think the movie is very charming in like the fact that it decided to go. Rather than doing the straight-up horror route, going for kind of a B-movie style and being so self-aware in that regard. It's a ridiculous movie, but it's so smart in how ridiculous it is, if that makes sense. It knows what it wants to be, and it knows how to do it in an interesting way. And I was never bored throughout the movie. There wasn't a point where I was like, when is this ending? It, it had perfect pacing as far as I'm concerned. And in a weird way, this got me back to being super into horror movies, funny enough. Oh, I'm so glad <laughs> Like, I, I want to watch, like, I seriously need to watch more horror now. Like, I'm so into it. And it's so, like, so, yeah, I definitely owe it for that, for me to to have this fascination in the genre. And now I'm just sitting here like, fuck, I know I'm mainly doing voice work, but if there's ever a movie I want to do, if there was ever one genre I would totally do, do, do on-camera work for, it would probably be horror, no lie. So. Horror, as someone who has made horror short films... Horror is the most fun to make in. Like, I know, like, you know, a lot of people consider it dark and weird, but, like, that darkness and weirdness is fun to play with. And that's what I get from watching Evil Dead 2 whenever I see it again and again, that everyone there was extremely excited to be there. Like, Mm -hmm. no one was, like, phoning it in. Everyone was giving, like, 110%. I mean... Jesus Christ, the scene where Bruce Campbell literally breaks plates on his head and flips himself up over, uh, like, onto his back was all just him. Like, there's no stunt with that person. Although with Bruce, he threw his body into that movie. Like, you know the sequence when, when Ash is being pushed through the woods? Like, when that, like, weird sort of, like, camera perspective angle where he's getting flipped upside down? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, that is him on a harness, and Sam Raimi was off the side of the camera whacking him in the face because he thought it would be funny with, oh, like, God. fake leaves. Uh, That's awesome. Um, there's so much fun, like, behind the... Like, uh, Greg Nicotero, who is 
you know, currently on The Walking Dead, he worked closely with the product. He would that was his almost his sort of special effects baby, essentially. So that film has a lot of interesting connections to um to famous, I mean people who are no- known now and kind of considered legends. Um, also still like I feel like Evil Dead Two hits this nice spot where people know what it is. It's loved. It's a classic, but it's also kind of cult. Like it's still kind of tiny bit not as like well known as certain other classics like i would say like it's not at the pantheon of like 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 a nightmare on elm street or like um friday the 13th stuff but it's but it's still well known enough do you get what i'm saying yeah yeah i i get it it fits that sort of niche um and i'm and i'm i'm so glad <laughs> I'm so I was so happy to hear that you loved it because it's a movie that I love and I'm just like Jazzy better fucking love this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could we could this entire thing could have this entire podcast could have ended, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't have been mean. I, I don't think so. I just would have been like, well, you're allowed to have your opinion. <laughs> and then be shaking on the inside <laughs> for age. <laughs> uh, um but there's so many good sequences in that film. It's so well edited. I have to give it credit for that too. Like, um, like you said, the pacing was perfect. Like, yeah. I've, I, I'm, I'm with you there. It, there's no slow mo- moment in that film. Everything has a purpose, and like, like, like the editing is just like I, I can't, I can't think of how you just come up with all those like sort of creative, like things that Sam Raimi came up with, like. Slamming the, using the, fucking putting the camera on like a two by four and slamming through doors to get that shot of it coming out after you know Ash, you know the evil, um or like, um, like the entire sequence of him putting his chainsaw arm together is amazingly well edited. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um. Oh, fun little Easter egg. I don't know if you noticed, but in the tool shed when Ash comes in for the first time, um. Right above the door, when you're like peering like front towards Ash, like he's standing in the doorway. The camera's inside, right? So right above the doorway is Freddy, um, Freddy Krueger's glove. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that or no? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't notice it immediately, but I heard about it afterwards. Okay, so. that's a, that's the thing. I, I wasn't sure how much any, so. I don't know. I, I feel like if I keep talking, I'm gonna keep geeking out over this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um do you are you planning to see uh ash versus evil dead as well at some point yes i'm not okay. sure when but it's definitely on my to watch list please do because i actually think it's great too it's it's it it basically took the evil dead 2 vibe and ran with it mm-hmm. it's bonkers in the best way yeah now i'm trying to get into other horror franchises i haven't heard of like i'm 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 looking through online shopping right now, and there's like this huge fucking Blu-ray collection of Friday the Thirteenth, and I haven't seen any of them, but I kind of want it because this collection looks fucking amazing. <laughs> I'm I've been tempted to buy that one. That's the show, the Scream Factory release. Yeah. That, right. Yeah. Um, because I heard that this is the first time where they uh, actually uncovered some of the cut. Speaking circular back into our conversation about the rating system, um, Friday the 13th also 
had a long history of fighting with the ratings boards on their film. And unfortunately, a lot of those films from the time, deleted scenes weren't really kept like like it is now. Like mm-hmm. like you like now you're gonna get the full cut like of films, but in the days that back then they would literally cut out the film and it would be lost to time. Um God damn. Like that's kind of what it was because it was literally like well, we're because like their minds weren't focused on like supplemental material, right? Their minds were focused on can we get this on a film reel, essentially to hit theaters, and Absolutely. then eventually right. hit hit VHS tapes, of course. But um, basically, they uncovered lost footage of one of the Friday the Thirteenth films and have new, um, at least two or three of them have new extended versions with added gore, which oh, is. Hell yeah. Which is exciting, which is why I'm like, I kind of want that set because it's like they they seem to really have put a lot of work into um, finding these things. Um, But like, that's kind of I would I would call Shout or Scream Factory the Criterion collection of B film B movies, you know? Oh, 100 percent. I love a lot of their releases. Some of their like I got their box set of Gravity Falls. Holy shit, what a good set. <laughs> it's a great set? Oh, wow. Okay. Like, a lot right. of, like, really great behind-the-scenes and special features on that. Yeah, like, the box is so good. It comes in three Blu-ray cases that are labeled, that are, that are ma- that have cover art that look like the journals, so. Just aesthetically, okay. it's an amazing collection. I haven't gone to, I haven't actually popped it in to see the video quality yet, but I have no doubt that it's amazing. Okay, I tr- yeah, I tr- I trust. I think I might have to buy that at some point because I I love Gravity Falls as well. Yeah, like this is like God Shout Factory, good good shit. That we're not sponsored. I I mean we could be, but <laughs> speaking of a Shout Factory release, they did Army of Darkness a few years ago. Um, uh-huh. and it is the single best release of Army of Darkness done. Um. Totally worth it if you if you want to look into that. But um, it has four different cuts of the film on it. Oh, nice. So it's like the director's cut, um, the theatrical cut. I think it's like a work print and something else. Uh, let's see. I'm actually looking at it right now to have confirmation on this. Um, so the theatrical, director's, international cut, and then the TV cut. Oh, shit. That's um, awesome. Um, so, because the TV version actually has different scenes. Right. Um, than the rest of them, which is interesting. The, I don't know about the international one. Uh, which, which version of Army of Darkness did you watch? Uh, was it, was it the theatrical or the... It was the the theatrical cut. Okay. Um, I still need to see the directors in its entirety, but, um, I love the theatrical cut ending. I actually like it more than the director's cut ending. Oh, yeah, because it's batshit insane. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually fits a little bit more in line with the tone. Um, <laughs> where they introduced Hail to the King Baby as a line, which Duke Nukem eventually stole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, we'll have to have, like, I know this is kind of the Evil Dead-centric podcast, but in the future... We're going to have to do maybe when you finish Ash versus Evil Dead, we'll have to do like a Evil Dead retrospective and then get a guest on who also is a super fan like I am. 
I can think of a few people. Okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Let's do that at some point. Kind of like how we had the Scream episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think... Yeah, I, I, I think we've kind of reached everything that we want to discuss. Jazzy, is there anything that you wanted to bring up this week while it's on your mind? Eh, just a small little kind of small weird personal accomplishment but i gotta bring this up okay maybe i should bring it up too but that's something personal for me but go ahead first i found out that someone made an animatic of one of my shit for one of my shit posts and i'm freaking out that someone put in the effort to actually put my audio into something visually interesting so i saw that you posted that i will um i will go back to your feed and actually watch it I didn't get to watch it, but I did see that you posted that. And I was like, oh, that's super cool. Um, that's awesome. Was it just like a friend of yours or just like someone random? No, it? no, I didn't know this person at all. They posted this back in August and I only found out about it today. So, oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone com- someone commented on my post about it saying, hey, someone did an animatic on the audio. And I was like, fucking what? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's so cool. You have a fan. (laughs) Yeah, and they did, and they did it with full credit to me. So that is amazing. Have you have you reached out to that person? I commented on the video saying that that it that it more or less made my day. So that's 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 awesome. (laughs) That's that's really special. (laughs) Um, I guess I'll mention my personal thingy. yeah, I, I tweeted about it very briefly. Uh, so I am making my first steps into my medical transition uh, in terms of reaching out to the local, I'm not going to say where. <laughs> <laughs> There's a trans health center here uh, in California, and uh, I've called and reached out, and that's my first step. So I am pretty, uh, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> I'm very much thrilled for you, and I can't wait to see how that goes. Thank you. I uh, 2022 is going to be a phenomenal year. <laughs> I I agree. Like, yeah, just uh, it, yeah, 20 like 2022 is going to be phenomenal because like January I have my top surgery. So yes, exactly. Oh my God. So we're both going to have euphoric moments soon. Oh yeah, absolutely. God, top surgery. Um, I'm hoping there's a lot of VO career goals I definitely want to put down for. <laughs> for 2022 so and i i i have no doubt that you're gonna you're gonna have a fucking banger of a year <laughs> <laughs> um and with that positive note uh <laughs> and not cynical note which is good because i i don't i wasn't the last one with the one before where we talked about <laughs> so much dark things uh this was nice to have this this pleasant conversation um Jazzy, did you want to uh, maybe give everyone your plugs? Yes, I actually have something new to add to this this time. You can find me over at jazzyolivervo.com, my official voice acting website. There you'll find, uh, it's still kind of bare bones right now, but you'll find a, you'll find my reels, a full list of credits, as well as my, as well as my resume. Uh, Wait, resume and full list of credits are the same thing. Fuck! First time promoting it and I screwed it up. Oh, well. (laughs) It's okay. It's part of the. <laughs> it's uh, 
aside from that, you can find me over at Lady Jazzington on Twitter, Jazzy Oliver uh, on YouTube, where you'll find shit posts aplenty. I just did one in gar- regarding Hootie because that joke hasn't died horribly yet. Uh, you gotta ram it into the fucking ground. Yeah, it was Hootie <laughs> reading for, reading a line from Kingdom Hearts because I really need to emphasize shit I'm a fan of. Yeah, you. It's really hard to tell what you're a fan of. You never talk about it ever. Speaking of Kingdom Hearts, you can also find me over at Lady Jazzington on Twitch every Saturday, except tomorrow because I have a trip. I'll, I've been. I'm gonna be. I'm streaming. Um, I've been doing streams of the entire Kingdom Hearts series available on PS on PS4. Cur- we recently we just started Rechain of Memories, and I'm suffering because this game is horrible. Have fun. Enjoy. Go on my Twitch, watch that part, and enjoy my suffering while it's still up because Twitch is stupid and deletes videos. That's that's dumb. <laughs> but do that now, please. Yeah. Um, and on my end, my name is Crystal Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at CrystalWRocks. You can read my articles on Medium. Uh, where I write about social issues and politics and all that fun stuff. You can also listen to my guest appearances on uh, the Violet Wanderers, which I believe my episode up should be up soon, uh, where we talk about bad holiday food, apparently. <laughs> uh, so hey, that... Violet Wanderers, who do I gotta fuck to be a get to be a solo guest on there? Uh, you know what? DM them. <laughs> <laughs> i think i think you'll have fun with them uh but yes uh which jazzy they they uh they name drop you a bit in 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 a little <laughs> a little bit in the episode that i'm on they they uh, alexis says you're awesome so just oh just yeah i just, should i should contact them and say hey maybe you should bring me back on i'd love to go so i'd love to be on their solo because i love being part of gals of geekdom and doing the collaboration but i'd like to be on their solo at some point so yes you totally you absolutely should do that um and i can also dm them too be like hey put jazzy on <laughs> oh yeah maybe you should do it so i don't come across as egotistical even though they'll probably listen to this and they're like hey wait a minute <laughs> No, no, they like you. You're. I think they had fun. I, 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 I we do have to do the crossover though again oh, with absolutely. Lizzie, with Lizzie here this time because I think Lizzie needs to see the madness that is their show. All right. So, what about your, what about your plugs, Crystal, yes. as well as Lizzie's? Um. So yes, to finish my plugs, yes, you can, you, you can obviously listen to my guest appearances over on Violet Wanderers. Um, and um, to plug Lizzie. She just goes by Lizzie Lemon Drop on multiple platforms, including Twitter and on TikTok, where she actually makes really fun uh, TikToks. I, I actually recommend you check her out um, either or because she's either making really fun, good posts on Twitter or she's over on TikTok making you laugh or making go all because she's with, with her girlfriend. And that's really nice. So you should definitely go over there to that. Um and a little bit of an announcement. Um, this will be the last episode we have before Thanksgiving weekend, um, and we will not be recording an episode. So just 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 be prepared for a week without us. Um, hopefully, after that, we'll 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 fill your addiction again for us soon. But kind of an important announcement I wanted to make in the final final act. <laughs> and I think I think that's everything. Um, Thank you for listening to another episode of the Gals of Geekdom podcast. 
Um, and we will see you on the next one. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.